Alex Del Sordo with the Rowers Choice Network, and I have with me, you'll see in the background and the title of this interview, Tideway Scholars. This is Chris Williams. If you have been living under a rock, then you wouldn't know this, but Tideway Scholars, the juniors have been dominating the global challenge ever since last year. And we're lucky enough to have an interview with Chris Williams. Chris has been rowing for way longer than I've been born, which is incredible and has accumulated some wins over his career. Chris, thank you for taking the time to do this interview with us today. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Nice to speak to you, Alex. So we're going to get right into it, man. You have you have the fastest junior boys in the competition. Your junior girls, if they're not the fastest, they're darn close. Uh, give us the secret sauce, man. How do you find these juniors? How are you training them? And how have you gotten the fastest team here in our league and our championship right now? Uh, well, it's very flattering, but it's a matter of having built up our junior program over many years. Rona McCallum, who coaches the girls and I, have been doing this sort of in partnership for quite a few years. We really started coaching juniors seriously at Scholars about 15, 16 years ago. And since then, it's been a sort of gradual accretion of our knowledge, how to coach juniors, what to do. And as you become, I mean, we're really the, the dominant force in club junior rowing in London now. So if juniors want to row at a high level, they will come to us. Saying that, of the four boys that we've got, two of them started with us when they were 12. Uh, Gabriel and Albie, they've been with us ever since. Uh, Matt Hansen joined us uh, about uh, two years ago. Will Kelly joined us four years ago when the program he was in um, disintegrated. So, you know, these are guys who've been with us quite some time now. So this, this, this kid, Gabriel, um the, the producer in my ear is telling me that he is one of the fastest juniors in the world on par with who we believe is the fastest, Isaiah Harrison. Um, remind, remind the audience, how old is Gabriel and uh, what do you think he's going to do with his career in, in British rowing? He's um, 17. Um, he's got a PB on the ergo of, I think, 553 or 554, which he did in the summer at the, uh, and in the autumn at the British Indoors. We're aware of Isaiah Harrison, of course, um, a very talented guy on the ergo. And I assume that there'll be a head-to-head -head between them in the World Junior Ergo Championships um, at the end of February. Um, where he can go, it depends. You get people who are very good as juniors, don't train on. He's planning to go to uh, university in America next year. And I'm sure your guys over there will, will nurture him and develop him. Um, and we'll see how he gets on from there. Where that, he can get that, to, you don't know. Is that a big, um, I, I, I've talked to other athletes from, from England, and, and obviously we all know that the United States has a fantastic collegiate university program of racing, right? Most people around the world like to come here. Is that the, is that the normal conversation to have with your top juniors in London and in, in Great Britain is, all right, if you want to advance your career in rowing, you got to go to the United States? No, not at all. Um, it depends what suits individuals. Some of them will suit going to America. There's a couple of the guys who I used to train at Syracuse and Princeton, Lawrence Joss uh, uh, and Marcus Jonas. I mean, they're both at the top of the programs there. Um, some of them it'll suit, some of them it just won't suit. And it's just a matter of the individual boys. Um, I mean, I, so I don't counsel girls at all. I leave that with Rona. But it's depending on 
you know, what suits those boys as to where the best place to go to university is. There are very good programs in this country. I mean, Durham, Oxford, Brooks, um, great places to develop juniors. Newcastle, some of our kids have gone on to Newcastle and have done well there. It just depends on what suits that individual as to what they think they can do. But by no means is America the only only route to um, progressing on in the sport. Now that makes sense. Um, I, 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 I guess I've heard different things, but you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, if it suits the individual, then they should do that. Um, okay, so with Gabriel... And- we've, had, we've had a couple who've gone to America and just haven't been able to, to deal with the whole thing of moving. It's a long way away. You're a long way away from your parents. If you've lived at home all your life and you go sort of across the Atlantic, it's a long way. Oh, it's a scary thing um, for any 18 or 19 yeah. right? I mean, that's, that's a, a very tough thing. So you've been coaching this team, you said, 15, 16 years ago, you decided you want to focus on the juniors. Um, what... Walk, walk the Americans through, the people watching this. I mean, how big is your squad? Uh, at what point do you start them training? And, and at what point do you expect them to come into Thai Way Scholars? Because in America, it's very rare that programs start before your age of 13 or 14. Most rowers here start at 13 or 14, yeah. sometimes later, and it's about three or four years. How do you do it out in England? Most, most, mostly the same. We start them. We row on the Tideway, which is the tidal Thames running through London. It's a very big river. It's a very fast-flowing river. Um, so it's not the safest place in the world to start juniors. If you can start juniors on a nice, quiet lake where if they fall in, they can stand up, that's great. The tideway is fast-moving, so we don't start them until they're 12 or 13 as a minimum. And they've got to be a reasonable size to be strong enough to cope. Um, so we have a, be- a beginner's section, and they go from there into a J13, 14 section. Um, they come out of that, and come into the junior men's and women's sections. Now, in the junior men's and women's section, we typically have about 30 juniors aged from J15 to J18. So that's across four year groups. So we've only got between sort of four and eight in each year group. Um, so occasionally we have bigger year groups. My J18 boys year group at the moment is very big, but it's just coincidental. There's no obvious reason for it. They just happen to be very good when they came in. They've attracted other people to come and row with them. Um, so, you know, that's how it works. So, as I say, we've got about 30. Now, the other, most of the, well, uh, most of the numbers of people rowing in, in England are in schools. Um, there they have programs that are set up for them. They can, um, join in sort of in, in games lessons. So they come out of class, they go to the gym, their training's done. My guys have to come out of class, get on a bus, get on a tube come down to the rowing club, get changed, train, go home. So, you know, it's a lot of a longer process for, for kids who aren't um, training in their schools. Um, okay. Particularly those kids, a lot of rowing done at boarding schools in England. And those guys, you know, just have everything very easily accessible. Whereas I say that the ones who are not at rowing schools, all my guys are not at rowing schools, have to do a lot of traveling around and have to do a lot of dedication to doing it. While that's harder, I think it makes them mentally very robust. You know, they've got to be very tough to do that. They've got to have a lot of commitment. It's funny. I it's man, it's wild. There is a lot of similarities for the U.S. and for England, and, and I think folks over here tend to think that you guys have it slightly different. But no, students have to leave school, travel to a boathouse, work out, go back. Uh, yep. It does take a lot of commitment. No. I, uh, I, I want to ask this. So I've raced Henley twice. I've gotten as far as Friday. 
And I know that the race for you and Henley is a really big deal. Can you give me some insight into the training that goes around leading up to Henley? Because year after year, you, I, you, you do very well there. Your program, Tideway Scholars, in general have done well. So can you just tell us, is there any difference in training as you lead up to Henley? The problem with the lead up to Henley is it's very often confused by exams. Um, a lot of the, 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 the oldest kids have exams at the end of their last year. Uh, they can sometimes run on right up till Henley. So you have to balance what they're doing in exams with what training they can do. And that's always a factor. You know, we at clubs, very few of the kids we've got, if any, will go on and become professional athletes and professional rowers. So their exams always take precedence. Saying that, we're firmly the view that doing rowing actually helps their exams because it gives them discipline, it gives them time management, it gives them a lot more focus than they would otherwise normally have. So we think it's a good thing, but we do have to balance it. So on the run up to Henley, we'll get out on the water pretty much as much as we can do around exams, what people are doing. Um, we'll try and get up to Henley to practice on the course because it is quite unique, as you know. You know, it's, it's, Particularly if you're 16, 17, and you're sat in the bows of a quad and you're steering with your foot. You know, going off the start there between those very hard booms um, is really quite nerve-wracking for them when they start. Some of them take to it very easily. Some of them just find it really stressful to to correct. And, you know, if it's a bit windy and there's a bit of stream, it's just tr it's just difficult. It is difficult. Why do you think there haven't been a lot of American winners over the years? I mean, I, I I've tried my hardest and... For gosh darn it, like I cannot be, I cannot do well at that regatta. Why do you think Americans or any foreigners have such a hard time winning over there? Um, I think the perception from here is that the foreign crews that come over have particularly concentrated on that for that year. So we expect foreign crews to be very, very good. You know, it's interesting. You say you think it's hard for American crews there. We would see any American crew coming over having dedicated an awful lot of their time and their money and their effort in coming over to Henley. You know, it's a big deal for them. And it's one of the things we remind us, particularly, you know, they get out of bed, they rock up at Henley, they go and race. Yeah, okay. These guys have come from across the Atlantic. They've been here for a week. They've been staying out in some house. They've really put a lot of money and time and effort. You've got to match their dedication when you're racing against them. So, you know, I think from that point of view, crews coming from abroad often have and you, you don't want to lose in the first round, do you? I mean, you must know that. You come from America. You don't want to lose in the first round. You come from, I mean, I remember when I was rowing, the crew came over from New Zealand. Um, we were down at the start waiting for them, and they were the race before us. They'd gone down to the lock and were warming up and were late on the start. They got disqualified. Whoa. They'd come all the way from New Zealand and got binned. They didn't even race. I mean, that is just really tough. But Henley run by their rules and they're very strict on their rules and by their rules, that's the way it works. They weren't on the start on time. I don't know whether they'd missed, I don't know why, but it's very, it's, it's a tough place to race and the standard is very high and it's such a concentration now of what people do each year. Um, I mean, we used to have a British Championships regatta after Henley. That doesn't happen anymore. So Henley is the end of everybody's season. So it's their last great effort and pretty much everything is, is aimed towards Henley. For the juniors, it can be different because they go on and do junior trials. Sure. Some of them go to the World Championships, some of them go to the European Championships. It's, it's, they, they can have further goals. For most people, Henley's the end of the season. If you don't do well there, that's all you remember that season by. So 
I get it. It's a it, great end of season effort, isn't it? It is, and I, and I, I, it is, it is the race that changed my life. It truly is. I mean, I, I am a different person because of that race, and and I look, I have a lot of love for it. And there is just this weird thing, and I think you brought it up about the high pressure, and us coming all the way over there and spending all that time and money. But there is just this weird thing of Americans. We we just don't know how we can win this regatta, and. It's a it's a funny conversation I have with people all the time. That they well, there's, yeah, but there's lots of Americans come across and win. You know, the universities come across and win. Um, we have U.S. Um, Olympic crews and, and national crews come across so, and win. It's more so, like you know. the junior level, right? So it's more of like the junior boys and girls eights and more of the club, the club racing, the club men's, the Thames Challenge Cup. The Britannia Challenge Cup. It's it's those events that I really am talking about. I mean, the uh, university boys usually do very well over there, right? Brown, yeah. Harvard, they usually do well. Um, now you won it in 1987. Is that correct? No, in, in yeah. 1987. What I think was so. that? What was that event? You think so? What was that event? It's a long time ago. Uh, that was in the in the quads in the quad skulls in the in the Queen Mother. Wow, Queen Mother. And when did you start rowing for the audience? Because I don't want to age you, but when did you start rowing? Um, I started rowing in about 1974. I didn't row at school. Um, I At school, I played rugby. Um, I left, when I left school, I played a bit of club rugby. I didn't really like that very much. My sister was rowing. Um, so I just went down and tried it out. And I've been doing it ever since. Wow. And over that time... You've been captain and a chairman and vice chairman of Tideway Scholars, so you've pretty much spent your whole career at Tideway. Uh, well, for seven years before I came down to London, I rode for York City. So, you know, I rode up in the north of England, which is a different environment from rowing in the south. In the south, it's much more of a pressure cooker. But rowing up in the north of England, you row on some of the most beautiful rivers in the country. It's just amazing some of the places you row. I mean, rowing on the Dee at Chester is, you know, it's just an amazingly beautiful river. So as uh, a retired as a retired person from the sport of rowing, you're still coaching. Uh, how long do you envision yourself being with Tideway and coaching the juniors? I don't know, really. Um, it's a question you ask yourself. It depends how long this blasted lockdown goes on. I think um, you know we need to get we need to get out of that and then think what we're going to do in the future. You know, see what we've got left as a sport, see how many people we've got left, and see see how it goes from there. But I'm still enjoying it at the moment. You know, I'm fit enough and healthy enough to do it. That's I think good... there probably comes a time when you find that sitting on the water in a launch in the middle of the winter for four hours just becomes too much. And I think that that may be what stops people doing it, I guess, because it can be very cold. Yeah. There's there's a lot of talk here in, in America that coaches, board of directors of rowing programs are nervous because of no racing, we're going to lose athletes. Has Tideway lost athletes because of this pandemic at all? Has your team shrunken in size? No, not at all. No, we've actually, um, it was quite interesting in the, in the summer last year, um, rowing was allowed. Um, you know, we had the juniors were allowed to go out in any boats they wanted. Um, and there was a distinct increase in the number of in interest in rowing. So at that point in time, we had a lot more people coming in. We've got a lot of seniors at the moment, more than we have normally. Um, and our masters are still doing, you know, what they can do. We're quite an unusual club in that we've got sort of men and women, masters, seniors, and juniors, um, all as very active squads. And 
None of those squads have dropped significantly in size. We lost a few from the Masters men, gained a few in the Masters women, gained a lot in the seniors. So we're actually more members now than we had at the start of the pandemic. Wow. Wow. All right. So you guys, you are the top juniors uh, in our tournament here. Not yet. Not yet. We're not. Don't tell them that yet. We haven't won anything yet. Not yet. But let me ask you this. Are you, rowers are a specific breed of people. And I know that your athletes are looking up the other athletes that they're competing against. Is there a team in America in this tournament that you have your eye on that you're like, Ooh, okay, we better watch out for them as we get into this tournament. Well, one of my boys knows some of the guys from Gonzaga. Um, so they've been, <laughs> I suspect there's a certain amount of banter going on there already, but it doesn't really matter. It's, it's the old cliche. It's round by round, isn't it? You've just got to beat the people you meet in the next round. It doesn't really matter. And it's quite interesting that some of these short distances that you put in, I think you can be quite vulnerable to have people having an off day or just not quite getting to grips with the very short sprint races, whereas in the longer races, they'd be much more comfortable. And it's, it, that's, I think, the challenge is to making sure they know how to sprint. Which on an ergo is a bit of a skill on its own, isn't it? I mean, you know that from doing it, but it does make a difference that actually being able to, to wind it up make sure that you can do the short stuff as well as the long stuff. We have gotten a lot of, um, I wouldn't call it flack, but we've got a lot of opinions about the rower's choice methodology of creating a race. You know, normally it's 2000 meters. It's the standard. Um, has your athletes welcomed this shorter distance and the, and the different uh, distances that are not typical in rowing? Oh, one of them, well, Mr. Kelly's frightened of doing the 2000 meters because he's not done enough training. He's just been doing strength training. So he wants to do the short distances. So he's happy with that. And the other guys are okay with it. Um, it's quite interesting. Different members of the group, you will see, that will do faster times in some distances than the others. We were a bit puzzled why you've got one minute one week and 350 meters the next week or the other way around. Because they're, they're going to be the same. I don't know whether that was deliberate or whether it's just happened. No, it, but, it, is, it is deliberate. Uh, we've learned that certain groups of people take two meters better than, than time, than minutes. And it's also a measure of a world record, the one minute. It's a specific world record that we're hoping for people to break and, and beat. Um, but that's interesting. So with let's take- I don't think anybody's going to break the, the, the one minute world record. Have you seen how quick it is? No, I, I mean, I don't remember off the top of my head, no. but it's 113.2. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's ludicrous. That's absolutely ludicrous number. I don't know how on earth- I mean, the, the, the seniors one, the open category ones only, I just looked these up last night so I can remember them, is 112.8. <laughs> That's only 0.4 of a second quicker. Um, so the junior record is, is incredible. I, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll wait for Mr. Harrison to beat that, but I'm not sure anybody else has got a chance of it. I don't think anybody else will challenge it. But so um, we've been talking to a lot of junior kids that race this, and you've been coaching juniors a long time. We've learned that, these shorter distances have helped them overcome the anxiety of breaking a two twenty a 2K record, right? Their own personal records, knowing that for four minutes, if they do a four minute piece and they go, let's say 138, right? That has given them the ability and the chance to say, okay, I can do this for 2000 meters. Do you agree or disagree with that? Do you think that these young shorter distances help these young athletes conquer the erg? Yes, and we would do that in training. I mean, we do training sessions and have, um, we will do that sort of training in a build up to doing um, an ergo test. For example, if they've got a 2K test coming up, we'll do pieces over a thousand meters. 
it gives them the pacing confidence. It gives them the judgment to sit at that pace and know what they can do and say, that's just what you've got to do and then do it again. You know, you can do that. Your training numbers say you can do that. Um, I mean, I look back on sort of 10 or 15 years worth of records and say, you know, over that time, if somebody's done a 30 minute rate 20 and has done this, they can do this for 2K. Therefore, you're going to do that for your 1K prep. And it's just based on the sort of data on that, you know, gives them confidence they can do it. Sometimes they, I mean, there are some people who try and do a 2K test and you find they haven't slept the night before. They couldn't go to school that day because they were so stressed about it. We have had people do that. That's really something we try and help them overcome. Um, and I think you're right. I think if they've tra- um, competed over a shorter distance, then they will have more confidence to, to train over a longer distance. What, uh, you know, and I know we, sh- we could have, we could have ended this uh, conversation minutes ago, but um, there's a, there's something that we've hoped to conquer and that's anxiety, right? We have, we have done our best over here with these short distances and encouraging these young athletes to go after it, that their anxiety levels would go down with the 2K. How, as a coach that you've, you've been doing this for years, how do you, or what do you say to the athletes that are experiencing that high anxiety before their 2K ergo? It's all about making sure they know what their target split is. And you work that out from all the data you've got on them in the past. The difficult ones are the ones who haven't done the training ergos, but then you've no idea what they're going to do anyway. Mm. It's the ones who've done sort of 30 or 40 training ergos through the year. You know, get a pattern of what they can do at different intensities and different pressures and different rates. And you can very, very accurately predict that's what they'll do. Then you do some prep work, as I say, on, on different distances. You say, okay, you can do three lots of a thousand meters at this prep, at this rate. In your 2K, you're going to start off one split slower than that. You're going to go to your target split after a thousand meters, 500 meters to go. You're going to push down from that and you can do that. And they've just got to have confidence in your prediction and your um, your knowledge of what people have done in the past because that's what works. And they get that over the years. When they come in at J15, trying to get some of the J15s to do it, it's very difficult. Um, some of them do it very well. It's America, difficult to know. In America, there's a lot of talk of rowing, not surviving. So we've lost a lot of clubs, a lot of colleges have canceled rowing, mainly because it's a boring sport, right? So most people who don't know rowing just consider it a boring sport. Are you optimistic that rowing is going to grow and, and develop? And, or are you pessimistic that it's, it's you know what, it, it is a boring sport, it's going to go away in time? Not at all. I mean, I think, I think in this country, the problem we have is we have too many people racing at too few regattas and heads. You know, you find in the summer sometimes um, that it, you, you kids can't race for three or four weeks because you just can't get them into an event because there's just nothing available. Um, so, you know, we are stretching the the boundaries of what's possible in this country. And, you know, up until the pandemic struck, you know, we were very, very busy. From our particular club perspective and from what I've heard from other clubs, you know, they're not shedding members. Rowing is proving a very unifying thing in um in the kids lives because it gives them a purpose it gives them something outside sitting in front of a a tv screen doing lessons on zoom all day you know they can go and compete against their mates we do friendly competitions against local clubs at the weekend we do a duathlon we do running and and arguing um 
we've done one or two cycling competitions in the summer. We're not doing them in the winter. It's just too dangerous. Um, having kids racing on bikes this time of year is just not a good idea. So, you know, it gives, I think it's giving them a focus of what to do. Um, one or two of them aren't doing as much training as I'd like, but you can't really fault them for that if they're doing something and it's, it's keeping them occupied and motivated and giving them a distraction. That can only be a good thing. And if we can keep them, keep them going now and then bring more people in when all this blows over, I, I don't see any, any reason for pessimism. I think our national bodies lost a lot of members, but I think that's slightly different. I think people mainly join to race and when they want to race again, they'll come back. But I don't, I don't know of any clubs that have had a huge hemorrhaging of, of members. I think there are one or two who, who may have had some, but not a lot, I don't think. Well, that, that actually makes me feel good. Uh, last question here, Chris. Uh, Olympics. So Olympics, hopefully around the corner. Um, there's been talk the last week and a half, two weeks, that there might not be one. Do you think there will be an Olympics this year? Do you think uh, people will be rowing and racing? I just have no idea. It's, you know, it's something that's impossible to tell, really, isn't it? I mean, elite level sport is, is going on. And I think, I mean, I've been following the America's Cup yachting over the weekend um, and the cricket and stuff going on. And I think it's a great distraction to you in this sort of lockdown that you can actually watch stuff like that going on. Um, and whether, whether the Olympics will be considered as something that they can take sufficient measures to get all these international athletes together, I don't know. I can't see it being a huge spectator sport. I just can't see that. But I don't know. It's it's not you know it's not something that's within my knowledge. We hear all sorts of things over here, as I guess you do. Yeah. You know, Lord Coe was saying the other day that it might well happen, but there'll be no spectators. Um, so Matthew Pinson was saying no, there shouldn't be any Olympics because there's just too much risk for it to to happen. As I understand it, what he said. I don't know. I hope it does, but you just don't know, do you? No, you don't. Now, Chris, I got to say, man, thank you so much for this interview today and taking the time to talk to us. Uh, this has been a lot of fun for me. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm rooting for you guys in the tournament. I am looking forward to seeing what kind of splits you pull and how well you do as uh, time goes on. Well, we'll just say that's up to the boys. That's not up to me. I'll just tell them what they should be trying to do. And it's up to them. They know what their target splits are for the different rounds. And we'll see where we get to. But thank you very much for the opportunity. It's been great to talk to you and uh, say thank you for setting this event up. It's you know, it's another thing to, to distract people and to provide a focus of, of stuff to do. And the boys are certainly very enthusiastic about racing in it. Well, that's that's all we care about. And we hope to see them on a live race. We'll see if we can schedule that for them on the ERG. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Everyone from yeah, watching. Yeah, be happy to try and do that. But I think we tried to do it with Gabriel on the uh, in the final of the J17s. Like in the summer, it just the technology just wouldn't support it. So I don't know. Fingers crossed we can figure it out. But thank you uh, for everyone watching. Alex Del Sur here with Chris Williams of Tideway Scholars. Hope you enjoy the interview. Thank you very much, Alex. Nice to speak to you.